Welcome back to episode 7 of the Wet Snooze. It's been a little while, folks, but here we are. And uh, Corey will tell you what we're going to be talking about today. Today we're going to be talking about scouting, um, trail cameras, what we look for when hanging trail cameras, um, a little bit of everything in that ballpark. But yeah, it's been a minute, so we're excited to get this out. Yeah, it should be a good, fun episode. should learn a little bit. It ain't going to be too long, but we're going to focus on the main points of this and discuss... Er, discuss how important it is to get these done as well. So, uh, I mean, it's been a little while since we've had a podcast, but pretty much hunting season's coming up. We're excited. I've just been shooting my bow as much as I can with school, and I think it's about the same for Koi. Yeah, yeah, this summer uh, it's a perfect time to take advantage and get out and shoot and make sure everything's perfect. Um, doing a lot, a lot of hanging cameras, um, checking new areas this year. Um, that way, by the time October rolls around, everything's perfect for you. So Absolutely. You can't practice enough, whether that's shooting, scouting, hanging the show cameras, just improving on yourself. But uh, well, let's get into the scouting. And I know first thing I do when I start scouting new areas is I'll e-scout. And I usually use Onyx for that. And for example, I was scouting out a new area by a school a couple weeks ago. Got on the map, it's a little 2,000 acre chunk. I started pick, picking it apart. I stood the left, like the northeast corner, northwest corner, and then just picked it apart to four corners. And I kind of picked out what I thought would be the best corner from uh, terrain features with the nice, nice benches and what I can see is feed trees, where it looks like the most hardwoods with uh, good um, edges and breakups and timber to cuts and stuff like that and i i just focus on that and then you you can e-scout all you want but you still gotta get your boots on the ground in there but e-scouting helped me big time with that and then just if the more you do it the better you get the more you can pick it out because i know the first time i started i'd go in and i look at area on the map i'm like oh this is kind of what it's gonna look like and i get in there and I, it looks nothing how i thought it was and sometimes it's still like that but you really gotta Zoom in, pay attention, try to find those breakups, and then get in there. You start, you're going to get in there with your boots on the ground either way to really see what it's like. Exactly, yeah. Another uh, good thing with that Onyx is we both use that often, and it really shows you the boundaries of properties, especially like hunting public land. It's great to know what's public and what's not public so you know which way people are coming in from um, and the access points to get into a certain area mm-hmm, it's so huge that's one thing i always look for um because that way if you you see people like there's a nice access pull off a road people can get in there from if they were to bump deer where which way they'd be coming um from which way they'd be bumping them um stuff like that really helps looking on a map absolutely and this this uh, little chunk I scouted out a couple of weeks ago, it, it's a 2,000 acre chunk, but for Pennsylvania public land, that's relatively small. And uh, there's two roads run through it, but pretty much every corner you go to is pretty close to um, private land. And having an app to show you the, where the, where the um, lines are, the private and public lines was huge. Because at one point, I was right on the line. Like, I better get off the line some before I end up crossing over. Because sometimes they don't have posted, or yeah, they might not have posted signs up, and they still might not want you there. Exactly, especially from uh, 
not a roadway side. If you're like in the woods, um, most times they don't have markers up for that. And if they do, it's a little sign saying state forest, you know, you have to be looking to even see that stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, this, uh, this year it's been a little bit different. Uh, we haven't seen as much acorns dropping as last year. Not around where we're from, there is barely any acorns at all. Nope. It, they're very, you might find a couple on one tree here and there. So the the ones that we do find, we're hammering it with trail cameras, mm-hmm. you know. Um, lots of apples this year, though. So that's Tons it. of apples, tons of wild cherries. Yep. It's, uh, there's still plenty of food. Um, I know for me, I have seven or eight cameras out right now, and I know... S- six or seven of them are all around an apple tree so i'm really focusing on that food this year for the first week because i always tell myself i get three days the first three days are still going to be in their summer routine where they're headed so i'm really focusing on them apple trees and hopefully ideally i'd like to get it done early but you know how that goes yeah it never works out that way and then, yeah so i mean you can east get all you want but once you get your boots on the ground the main things we're looking for especially for the early season is food and i mean as much as it is important in early season it's just as important in late season last year i was hunting a cluster of oak trees and there was deer eating acorns there from the first day of the whole way to almost the last day of the season i was still seeing does and bucks coming in and eating those acorns so finding a food source, especially like a main food source that isn't, I mean, obviously a field, that's a pretty easy one to pick out because you know deer are going to be going there. But you find some acorns, but apples this year, that's huge. You find that food source in the woods and you'll be on deer pretty much the entire year. And I know some of the main things I'm looking for right now is obviously apple trees. I'm always on the look for apple trees because whenever they have apples, it's going to be a hot, you're going to see deer. Um, oaks, obviously, and around here, there's not many oaks. I have one spot out in the western part of PA that's loaded with acorns, actually, but I'm going to be able to hunt there very few times. Another thing this year that we haven't had in a long time is, uh, the wild cherries are producing like crazy, and people, I don't think people, a lot of people realize, but deer, deer turkeys, both of them, they freaking love wild cherries. I have a 10-point that was in, I mean, it was still August, but he was there four times in daylight eating wild cherries, which is just mind-baffling because yeah. he's a very nice buck. That's what I'm looking for, food sources, at least for me. Another thing I'm targeting this year, too, is water. Um, deer need water. They can't live without it. They get a lot of it from plants, obviously, but they're never going to pass up water. So if you have a water source around that food or close to it, you're in a, a great ballpark. Um, the other day, I, I put a, a camera in a new location, and the first thing I found was a, a little overflown swamp, and um, there's trails going to it from every direction, so it just tells you that the deer go into that water just as much as they are acorns and apples. Um, they, they definitely won't pass it up, so it's a great place to put a camera and um, maybe even hang a a tree stand near it. Yeah, I never even thought about that water source. That, yeah. that is smart. I know I tend to look for water sources for funnels and pinch point type of deal. Because if you find a, like a beaver pond type thing, 
that's just going to create an instant funnel because obviously deer are not going to be able to wash without water. And then usually when you get around beaver ponds, they're in the bottoms and that it's more like a swampy area that creates apple trees and such. So you can find ponds, wild beaver ponds or ponds out in the wild. You're going to get into some nice, usually some nice deer territory. Especially, go ahead. And now you go ahead. You go ahead. Okay. Uh, especially um, around food and water. If there's bedding in that area that you know is very close, it's a great place to be because a lot of times there'll be food and water and bedding nowhere near it. Doesn't mean the deer won't come there. They just won't get there till dark. Because um, they're not getting on their feet till an hour before daylight sometimes. And when they're close to their food source, um, it they'll be there in minutes. If you're not anywhere near that bedding, it could be... 45 minutes sometimes and it's already you're already mm -hmm. going back to your vehicle it's See, after dark that's another thing too is i'm looking for these food trees and i'm looking for this feed but if it's in say if i'm hunting some straight hardwoods and there's an oak tree with acorns in the middle of these hardwoods but there's no bedding around i'm probably not hunting it because those deer probably only be hitting that in the middle of the night yeah i'm looking for these feed trees real close off of bedding areas real close to bedding because that's the one where you're going to see mature bucks hitting in daylight still which is when you pretty I, much what you have to do exactly um another thing i'm looking forward to is with the recurs i don't really want to shoot over like 15 yards so i look i try to find these i try to find food i try to find it as close to bedding as i can and then I'm looking for some type of funnel or pinch point that I can set up on to try to guarantee myself a nice 14, 15 yard shot with my recurve. And I know this, this one, this new spot I was scouting, there was this ravine on the map and I checked it out and there was white oaks that were, they had, they had white acorns right off of some bedding. And I followed that ravine up and it had a smaller land bridge I found and that's where I hung my cameras. It's right off the bedding, right at the end of this white oak ridge on a land bridge. It pretty much has all three that I was looking for, and I'm thinking it's gonna be a pretty good spot. When you have bedding, food, water, all that in a, a small area, spend lots of time there. Because when they have everything they need in an area, they, they're not gonna leave, they have no reason to leave. Um, you're basically in their home and they're routine and like we said earlier the first three days of season they're so used to this summer routine that you can really capitalize on that and uh, pattern a, a good mature buck that's still in his summer routine. I would say you have the first week especially yeah, yep. and then I think a really big thing which I I didn't realize how many bucks I've killed on in the first cold front of October but that first real cold front of October is arguably just as good as the rut. Yep. I, I was looking back at some of the dates I got my bucks, and with my recurve, I know the, the three bucks I got the recurve were October 24th, October 13th, and October 18th, and it was the first cold front of the season, and I scored every time just because those mature bucks, they're not, they're not moving unless something's changing. And with that weather dropping, they ended up moving in. Instead of going to bed before it gets light out, they're five minutes later and it's still light and it's light and I'm getting a shot. Right. You know what I mean? It, it you gotta find the right conditions and you gotta put it all together for it to work.
because they don't, they're not going to want to move if they don't have to any different than what they've been doing. Once they get in that routine, they're going to stick to it. And it's colder at night. It makes sense. Deer are going to move at night more than they are in daylight. Even a lot of times, even in summer, like I have a couple cameras where I'm getting most of my picks still at daylight, even in their summer routines, or Mm -hmm. excuse me, at nighttime, even in their summer routines. So it just makes sense to, uh, you know, be close to bedding. um, Absolutely. You just want to get on the feed right off of bedding or some type of break transition. And I highly suggest trying to find a funnel or pinch point of some type. Even if you find a solid pinch point and there's not much feed or bedding around, at least you know if a deer comes through there, it's going to be in that pinch point, yep. if you know what I'm saying. So you're going to get that nice, close, comfortable shot. But uh, I'm... Jump into trail cams? Yeah, so we cover that pretty well. So best trail camera ever made is a Tasco. <laughs> 28 bucks. <laughs> That's literally, I know... My dad has a few uh, mole trees and cuttybacks, and obviously he's spending about $100 per camera, and obviously he's getting his pictures are fantastic. He's not, not having any mishaps or anything. And I buy the Tascos. I run the Tascos. I have about eight of them. They're $28 at Walmart. I just run a four-gigabyte SD card. And I've honestly, God, have yet to have a problem with a Tasco camera. And the battery life's the same. I've had no issues. They with don't. The, it's for twenty. And then even if they do break or don't work, it's twenty eight bucks. It's twenty eight bucks. I I have, over the years, I kind of played around with different trail cameras, and I have a Wild Game Innovations is the brand I used for a while, but for twenty eight bucks, instead of being able to afford two cameras, you can afford six cameras. So you're covering many different places for the same price so why exactly. would you why would you not go with a, a cheaper camera yeah for the price of one normal cutting back and yeah. buy four tascos exactly which is incredible um you ever run any cell cams no i haven't i i seen i'd like to eventually get into it not being able to go in the woods as much i mean how mm-hmm. could you beat that if you guys have ever used cell cameras please shoot us a dm and tell us how it is but my one buddy Weston runs a S or yeah he runs a cell camera, and the way he has it set up is it sends him pictures every day at noon from the day prior, and it seems pretty legit. I mean, right. I really don't. I mean, obviously you're gonna pay for it. I think you pay about I think you're running about one fifty with a ten dollar per month subscription for like a thousand pictures or something like that. But that would be the way to go. Keeping scent out of the woods, how could you beat that? I mean, I I definitely. Would love to know how they work. Like Gage said, if you guys are running them, get a hold of us. We'd like to. Yeah, and that's know. that's another thing I want to touch on is I think people get so gung-ho for cameras. I think people would kill a lot more deer if they actually didn't run show cameras for the fact that they're out there pre-season, they're out there end of June, they're out there throwing corn out and check their cameras once, twice a week. They're already getting their scent out so much in their spots in June. The way, that for at least this year, what I did, I really stuck to my word, was the end of I did hang some cameras in the end of July, which is a little early for me. I was just really amped up. But I hung them in July, and I didn't check them till the first week of September. And I've only checked my cameras one time so far. And then I hung them on a rainy day, and I checked them on a rainy day. I accessed in and out the same way as I would hunting because I don't want any scent in there. Even though it's three months before the season, 
the less scent you can get in a spot, the better. And that's why I think a cell cam would be great. But it's pretty hard to beat the price of a Tasco. Right. And, uh, and those in-and-out trips, those quick in-and-out trips that you don't think you're doing much, the scent you're leaving, all you're doing is throwing them off of their summer routine. So uh, the picks that you do get aren't necessarily their routine. Um, going in and out like that, you're just – anything you do, you're leaving scent. And mm -hmm. I, I told myself uh, three times it's going to be the max. Like from the start of summer to the start of bow season – three times I'm not going in there more than three times um, during that time frame to check my cameras clear my shooting lanes and hang a, a stand Absolutely. if I need to but no more than three times is what I like to keep it at and um, like you said you're just especially for if you're really sh planning on shooting a deer the first week of season going in there often and leaving down scent that's just going to mess up their routine that they've been running in the summer so absolutely like to stay out of there yeah i can't stress enough staying out of you're not checking your trail camera every week i would say once a month if not even a little bit longer than that i also if you can check it on a rainy day that is free scent killer and it's guaranteed your scent will be cleared also i can't stress enough is i don't whenever i run a trail camera no matter what time of the year it is i don't ever put out any corn salt lick i don't put out any of that i'm always trying to get natural movement i think all these people are like oh i got this buck on trail camera but then obviously he went nocturnal right before season well yeah you stopped coming into your camera because you stopped dumping corn out exactly. in front of it you want to get natural pictures because if where that mature buck is in june is the same place he's going to be come the fall yep. he's a big mature buck has figured out where it is safe to be and that's where he's going to travel all year long. Uh, and obviously, if you throw some corn out, he'll venture out to eat. But if you're getting him in natural movement almost the whole year long, you put yourself way ahead of the game. And I also, I'm, I'd say out of 9 out of 10 of my spots, if I can, I'll, I'll lay down a mock scrape right in front of my camera. I usually hang my camera within 10 yards of my tree stand. Usually, where if I get a picture on trail camera, I'm able to shoot to that spot for my stand right and that all it all funnels back to what gage is saying about natural movement is finding food apple trees and acorns because it all comes back to the scouting how well you scout it out to find that natural movement basically that's that's ba free baiting you know <laughs> you yes. know having an apple tree and an oak tree use that to your advantage you don't have to go put out dump apples in the woods or your feet or whatever you put in front of cameras when you have an apple tree there because that's you can hunt around an apple tree that's legal so that's why we're really stressing on mm -hmm. and i just checked a camera yesterday and it was over a white oak tree and the white oak just started dropping in the last five days i had my camera set for one picture every every 15 seconds i had 1500 photos in five days there was deer there almost 24 7 eating white oaks I don't even think deer would be in there that much if I threw down corn. I literally don't. Right. I was like, something happened here. Yeah. Something's wrong. I got this many pictures. But you just find the right food at the right spot. I mean, for example, that's... I'm right... There's a bedding area, a thick bedding area that cuts right into a, some pines. And in those pines, there's that white oak. And those deer are there just all day long. And deer aren't stupid, obviously... If you throw out corn or whatever in the middle of the woods, they're gonna they're gonna eat it. They'll stand there and eat it. It it ain't gonna matter, but 
they they know that ain't natural, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they're gonna eat it, but I've also been reading up on how like how bad corn actually is for deer, like throwing corn, like mm-hmm. not natural corn. Uh, just some studies I've been reading, it's not good for them. Yep. I, but, um, that's why we like we preach natural movement, mm-hmm, uh, food sources, and anything close to bedding. Spend lots of time there. Absolutely. How do you uh, hang your camera in the tree? Is there um, any particular way you hang them? Any? Well, I've gotten several stolen, unfortunately. <laughs> so I, I'm not doing something right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe climb a ladder or something and angle it down. But uh, I, I like to be, like I said, obviously near a food source, but it's any uh, certain angle. Um, never really played into that much, but. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm facing the actual food source, that's uh. Mhm. This year I started um. I noticed on public land you'll see guys really put them up in trees about ten feet so people can't steal them. Yeah, yeah. I, that's and it's really smart. Yeah. And then I was look. I was thinking about it. When you have a, a truck camera up that high, you get you kind of get a wider view. Bird's eye view, baby. Yeah, you get a, you get more literally a bigger view and capture more deer. Because I thought about that too. How many deer actually elude your cameras right. that you don't even realize, and. So I also have a problem at one spot. I have every time I go check it, my camera is tilted, flipped upside down from a bear. So I'm like, how can I avoid this? I'm like, I'll just put it up eight feet in the tree. And I'll also, it'll be up high. The bear can't touch it. It won't get stolen by people. And you'll get a bigger area of view to see more deer. So I've been hanging my cameras a lot higher in the tree this year. Yeah, yeah that that's definitely something I'd like to uh, start trying. How many? I don't know how many times I have a camera out with deer trail splitting off and I'm missing 50% of the pictures because deer are going to walk right behind my camera so mm-hmm. having it up high facing that split you're getting you get more more pictures so. and then you have less chance of getting a little weed flipping across yeah, 100 times yep, too yep. <laughs> yeah that's definitely something to try mm-hmm. but uh that's about it for this one folks uh, hunting season's coming up real quick we got what two weeks three two, weeks two three weeks yep it's coming fast, so it'll be here before you know it. Today's a hot one out, but uh, starting to cool down, starting to really feel like fall. It's really starting to feel it, getting all jittery, and Gonna I'm make, ready to go. Making the uh, final adjustments to the bows and uh, making sure our bow setup's good, arrow flight's good. I'm looking forward to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And if you're, uh, if, you're not, if you're not already, have some spots scouted out and trail cams is getting to that point where you better get out now and get it done better late than never it's better late than never but if you're gonna do it get it done quickly yep. and uh well that'll be a wrap for uh the wet snoot episode seven so thanks for listening snooters <laughs> catch you with another one soon that's a wrap